0: Indian modesty has always been a little bit confusing to me. As a Hindu, I've been shamed for showing my shoulders or neck at religious events, when temples literally have statues and carvings of topless women. In fact, even when visiting elders or certain family members in casual settings, I've been requested to wear certain types of more conservative clothing. Why is this? Where did this come from? And is conservatism really rooted in being Indian or being Hindu? Let's do a deep dive. Welcome to Masala Takes. My name is Shree and this podcast is a place where I'll be sharing my Desi perspective on stories of the internet and do deep dives on stories related to human dynamics, culture, identity, and community. Before I jump in though, I should do a quick disclaimer that my research and perspective is specifically based on my Particular Hindu experience. There are obviously some cultures and religions that historically promote conservatism, and this is not what we're breaking down today. I also want to say I'm not really going to be talking about modest clothing from the perspective of safety or protection. Yes, I wouldn't wear certain types of clothing out if I was alone at night. That's a whole different topic, and that's really not what we're breaking down today. Today, I really just want to get into the root of traditional Indian Hindu values and modesty. Now, if you think about traditionally Indian clothes, they are definitely modest for women. Like, things you may picture in your head are salvar kameez with a long dress or tunic, pants underneath, and then a dupatta or fabric on top providing even more coverage. You might even think of a sari with a skirt, a, you know, structured blouse, and then nine or six yards of fabric covering on top of that, providing all of the coverage needed. Now, as we know it today, modesty in clothing is seen as a way to show respect for elders, show respect for family values. It's even a part of social decorum, if you will. It's something that's more impactful to women than men. And things like, you know, exposing your shoulders at a temple or going to an elder's home wearing something that might be considered revealing could actually be considered to be really disrespectful, but where did this really stem from? So when researching this topic, I really wanted to get to the roots of Hinduism, the Vedas. Of course, many religious beliefs do dictate modesty and clothing. Is Hinduism one of them? What I found interesting was how modesty was described in the Vedas. It's described as a virtue, and it encompasses characteristics like humility and self-restraint. It promotes being balanced and respectful in interactions. It actually has nothing to do with clothing and it's more about modesty in conduct. This I think is just so interesting because according to my inter- interpretation of the research, policing other people's clothing choices actually goes against these principles. The only reference to clothing I could kind of find in my limited research was the concept of ahimsa. Ahimsa translates literally to non-violence and From a clothing perspective, it could be to encourage natural fabrics, those that don't impact animals or the ecosystem. And that is also not how things are executed today. I mean, as a South Indian, the most popular type of sari that people wear is silk. It's like literally the most popular fabric in South India. And that's inherently not ahimsa because it requires so many silkworms in order to create it. It's it's not vegan at all as a fabric. If it's not in the Vedas, could it be referenced in Hindu mythology? Well, other ancient texts like the Bhagavad Gita actually emphasize detachment from material desires and possessions like physical appearance or clothing, encouraging people to look inwards instead. And I really love this as a way of thinking in general. I mean, yes, I'm human. I love a little vanity moment. I love dressing up and feeling good and looking good. But I think when it comes to religion, there has to be some component of detachment involved. It it has to be outside of the bells and whistles of things like clothing or gifts or, you know, gold or even food. So the interesting thing is that full and partial nudity have been a part of Hindu and Indian mythology. While it is definitely not a social norm or considered to be social decorum, even manifestations of the Lord, like Lord Shiva, for example, have been shown to meditate with minimal clothing. We also see this in many sages and gurus. They adopt this lifestyle where their minimal clothing is almost a symbolism for their detachment of worldly desires. And it's not just a male thing. It's predominantly a male thing, but we see this very often in, you know, goddesses like Kali. Of course, all of this is represented in the temple carvings themselves. We often see partial nudity featured in deities and divine beings. And the symbolism here is actually beauty, purity, spirituality, which from a messaging perspective is very opposite from what society has imposed on us, what culture has imposed on us, where Clothing conservatism is actually associated with being pious and and good and pure. I dug a little bit deeper into the history of women's clothing in India. And in many ancient Indian and Hindu traditions, the sari didn't even feature a blouse. The sari was expertly draped to cover the body, but often things like the neck and the shoulder were left exposed. I mean, even the sari fabrics were often sheer and very light. So it still left me with the question... Where did this conservatism come from? Then I shifted my attention to colonialism. So the colonial era lasted for around 200 years, from the mid-18th to the mid-20th century, when the British occupied India. As you can imagine, with an occupation of that magnitude, there was a huge impact on Indian culture at large. The British in India impacted fashion in a big way. Tailored blouses and the introduction of Western clothing like dresses and gowns were adopted by the upper classes in urban areas. There was also an influence on conservatism. Victorian morals and ideals were placed on Indians and suddenly things like modesty, chastity, and things like that became more civilized way to live. And as women started to gain more freedoms, leave their homes in a more public way, many cultures and religions adapted a blouse and a petticoat that would help maintain that conservatism, especially when out in public. I was actually shocked to read about the amount of laws that were put in place to regulate the dress code during this colonialism period among other things. The intent of these laws were kind of to exert control over aspects of Indian life. They imposed restrictions on traditional Indian handlooms in favor of British textiles. This was an economic decision. Some laws even restricted certain classes of people for wearing certain types of clothing and luxury fabrics. And this was strictly to maintain a social hierarchy, again, to kind of enforce that control and it helped to limit a certain amount of clothing to the elite it was almost like branding for certain clothing choices now they even banned some traditional clothing and practices for example they mandated western style of clothing in for government officials and even in some schools banning all indian forms of clothing kind of branding it as something that was not professional enough so over 200 years and multiple generations, this way of life became truly ingrained into Indian culture. Blouseless saris, for example, were basically rendered ex- extinct. I was born in Mumbai, and I know so many people who pride themselves for having an accent influenced by the British. So it's no surprise that this conservatism imposed by this ruling also became a part of family and cultural values. So what's my take? Well, to be really honest, I'm a live-and-let-live person and personally, I actually really love the Hindu philosophy and symbolism. I find it super interesting. So I stand on the side of forget modesty. From a purely religious perspective, my personal Hindu belief is that my God is not going to be disrespected because my shoulders or my neck or even my knees are exposed. I mean, remember, this is just my opinion, and my take on my religion is that the modesty of thought, which is what was referenced in the Vedas, and being a good person is actually a lot more important. Now, this extends into personal settings as well. So based on my own beliefs, if I'm visiting a public space um, without a clear dress code, I'm just going to wear whatever I want. Similarly, if I'm in the sanctity of my own home, I'm going to wear whatever I'm comfortable in. And that being said, as an Indian, I can respect that not everyone shares my view, and not everyone has had the same experience. See, I didn't grow up in India, and with the British influence running as deep as it does, I can understand how hard it would be to shake up a decades-old opinion that certain types of clothing are inappropriate for places of worship, or when visiting a respected member of family or society. I don't need to be the one making a point of social justice everywhere I go. I mean, I have my safe spaces. This podcast is another safe space to kind of hash out my opinions. But I think it's okay to kind of exist quietly in society as long as it's not hurting anyone and as long as it's comfortable for you. Like, For example, if I were to attend a Western wedding, like a Christian wedding of a Canadian friend of mine, I would never wear white because... That would be taboo in that setting. Similarly, if I was to attend a Muslim event, I would probably wear something that was appropriately conservative based on their culture. Similarly, if I'm going to go to a temple or if I'm going to go visit my husband's grandmother, I'm going to dress up appropriately in a way that makes them feel comfortable. But all of this is with my comfort at the forefront, right? Like The reason I like wearing sleeveless blouses, for example, is because... I think it looks good. But if the reason that I was wearing them was something that was comfort related, like I had eczema or a skin condition or a sensory issue that, you know, precluded me from feeling comfortable in sleeves, then I would put that comfort over the comfort of others. So if it makes other people comfortable, it doesn't cost me anything to wear a full sleeves blouse, for example. But if it's a sensory issue or something that's going to make me comfortable, I'm going to prioritize that. And to share a little personal tea, I'm gonna give you a little story of myself. Um, when I was seven months pregnant, my in-laws family had organized a seamandam for me. So this is basically a religious function um, where you just create good vibes for the baby right before that baby comes out. For this puja, my mother-in-law had requested that for a short part of the puja that I wear a nine-yard sari. This is not something I'm particularly comfortable in, but Like I said, I don't need to make a point of social justice. I'm picking my battles. So I agreed. I said, yeah, sure, I'll wear it for a couple of minutes. It's only a five-minute part of the puja that requires it. No problem. But what ended up happening was um, the week before the event, I suddenly kind of put on a lot of weight. I was super itchy on my stomach, and I suddenly felt that pressure in my bladder. Like, if you're pregnant, you get it, but you, I suddenly had to go to the bathroom very often. And going to the bathroom in a nine-yard sari is not very comfortable. In fact, changing outfits, wearing a sari at all is not that comfortable. So I wore a regular sari for the event, but at the very last minute, you know, I opted out of wearing the nine-yard sari. And I'm sure, like, nobody said anything, of course, but I'm sure maybe people were a little disappointed or they were expecting to see me make that outfit change. But On that day, I decided that the priority was to create good vibes for my baby girl, and the best way for me to be in a positive mindset was to be comfortable, so I did opt out of wearing something that would make me uncomfortable, even though it was culturally appropriate and it would make somebody else really happy. So that's kind of where I draw my boundaries. To wrap things up, I really do think that we should all kind of just employ this live and let live mentality. I think we should live our lives based on our own beliefs, 100%. But we should also let others do the same. I'm curious though, what do you think? Have you consciously or subconsciously judged other people's clothing choices for conservatism? Have you been told to cover up yourself? And do you think modesty is about clothing or do you think it's about conduct at large? And also let me know, is there some sort of cultural or historical nuance that I've missed in my research? Let me know in the comments. Reach out to me everywhere at Masala Takes on Instagram, TikTok, everywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And please let me know what you think. I am so interested in all of your perspectives on these topics um, because my goal is to really open a dialogue. So, so while I'm sharing my perspective, nothing is set in stone. Like, I think that we should encourage everyone to have this growth perspective. We can all evolve our thoughts and our mindsets and our perspectives. And that's what this podcast is really about. So let me know what you think. I'm super curious. Um, and as you know, we are a brand new podcast. This is one of our first episodes. So your feedback is so important to us at this time, but your support is also equally important. So if you liked this episode, please share this with your friends, your family, and or anyone, or you know, hit a like, hit a share, comment down below. Um, and if you have feedback, let me know as well, because Like I said, we're constantly evolving here and I am so excited to come back to you next week with an episode where we're gonna be talking about some real stories from real people. See you next week, bye.